Good Friday. Make the world a Hey, hey, Steve Norris here. Welcome to Feel Good Friday, where every Friday we have a really short episode of just a few minutes sharing a story that you can listen to while you brush your teeth or have your morning coffee. And hopefully it'll make you smile or perhaps laugh or maybe even inspire you. But most importantly, we hope it makes you feel good. For this week's story, we go to the town where I was born, Springfield, Illinois. And this particular story is a little bit extra special for me because it's about my 21-year-old nephew, Ben Norris. Now, Ben did something extraordinary. He donated one of his kidneys. But what makes the story all the more remarkable is that he donated it to a complete stranger. And not a stranger that he just met who he decided to help. No, that would be incredible enough. We've all heard stories about people who donate a kidney to a family member, a coworker, or a friend. These people are absolute heroes. But Ben decided to donate a kidney to whomever is the next person in line that is a match. What motivates a 21-year-old to do such a thing? I had to find out. So I was in Illinois recently, and I sat down with Ben to chat about his experience, starting with the question, what in the world made you decide to go randomly donate one of your kidneys? Here's Ben. I think um, it all started with me being a blood donor. So my dad got me into donating blood when I was 16. And eventually from there, I found out that AB positive donors are um, more needed for to donate platelets and plasma. So AB positive donors for blood um, can only, you know, only donate to other AB positive people. Whereas with platelets and plasma, we're actually the universal donor. So I found out there was a need for that. And so I um, started doing that instead, even though it was a little more hardcore than regular blood donation. But once I started doing that from there, I kind of questioned, you know, what, what more can I do? And somehow along the way, I found out about living kidney donation. And at first it sounded really extreme, but the more I read into it, I really couldn't find a reason why not to. So I started reading into living kidney donation a bit more, and there are a few drawbacks and pros and cons that I list out, but none of the drawbacks really um, impacted me. It never made me um, change my decision to donate a kidney. And uh, the more I looked at it, just the more determined I became to donate one. And I started the process back in September of 2021, and then I finally donated in June of um, 2022, so just a few weeks ago. And I have no regrets. I think it was a great experience. I think kidney donation needs to be demystified for a lot of reasons. Um, Many people think it's a giant sacrifice to make, but really there's no change of life for me. All I had was about two days of pain after surgery and then a couple weeks of discomfort where I couldn't sleep on my side. And then life's back to normal for me after that. So I asked Ben about feedback he had been getting prior to the donation of friends and family members that were saying, what if you need that kidney later? Or what if a member of your family needs that kidney later? Yeah. So one of the arguments I've seen against that is that in most cases of of kidney failure, I'm not sure what percentage or ratio it is, but in most cases, um, the diseases or conditions that cause kidney failure affects both kidneys at the same time. So if you're affected by one of those, it doesn't matter if you have one or two kidneys or five kidneys. Um, but to me, I think, you know, someday I might need another kidney. And as a living donor, um, I'll be prioritized for another living donation. So I'll, I'll be receiving a, a living donor kidney instead of a deceased donor kidney. 
And some people think, you know, well, why, why give it away when you might need it later? And to that, I would say, I don't need it right now. And I don't know if I'll ever need it. But what I do know is that someone out there does need it right now. And I think more people should be willing to make that sacrifice for people they know or don't know. And I think if more people do that, then we wouldn't have as many people on the waiting list. So I asked Ben if he realized just how unusual it was for somebody to just randomly go donate a kidney to a complete stranger. Yeah. And I I think people think that's really weird to do, but it follows the same logic and rationale, in my opinion, as a blood donor does. I mean, as a blood donor or platelet donor or plasma donor, you're never going to meet who who your blood product goes to. Um, and you trust that it goes to someone who needs it and that is helping someone. And, you know, we don't question blood donors for that. And so I think it's along the same logic with kidney donation is that um, we have something that we can give away at no cost to us. And so I did it and I think more people should and a lot of people do. I then asked Ben to unpack the process from start to finish and then how it felt when the day finally came for him to donate one of his kidneys. Yeah, so... um like I said, the process for me took about nine months from start to end. And during most of that time, um, it just felt like it was taking forever. And the, the, the process does take a long time for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Um, but the best part is that since it's a long process, then you have plenty of time to back out. You can back out at any point you want up until the moment before surgery. Um, you're not you know, obligated to donate. And I think towards the the end of those nine months, I was just thinking like, man, take this thing out of me. I, I've been waiting so long to get this out. And then the morning of surgery, I wasn't scared at all. I was kind of excited in a weird way to say it. But um, but yeah, it was like the, the coming to fruition of this process that I had been invested in for so long. So I was excited when I got my kidney taken out. And here's what Ben has to say about the procedure itself and the recovery time thereafter. Right before I went under surgery, they put a mask on me and I fell asleep. And it was like the blink of an eye. I woke up in the recovery room and all I was wanting to ask the nurse was like, did they do it? Is it, is it done? Like, did something go wrong? Why, why am I awake already? So it just happened so quickly. And I wasn't in any pain or anything when I woke up. And then after uh, they took out the breathing tube and everything, um, I think there was a breathing tube, if I remember correctly. My memory's a little groggy from there. They say you won't remember a lot of the stuff that happens, you know, in that first hour or two you're awake. Um, but I get wheeled into the, um, my actual room. My parents are waiting for me. And it was pretty painless that day. Now, the the night after surgery was a little bit painful because what they do is they have to pump in some gas into you to make the surgery easier. And then just kind of this weird discomfort, you know, sometimes you get some like a sore shoulder from from the pain. But yeah, it's nothing to be worried about. It goes away. And the nice thing, though, about the pain is that the more you walk, the faster you recover. And so you're walking the same day you wake up. Um, that's how quick the recovery is. Uh, for me, I had, like I said, those two days of, of pain, but uh, it was easily managed by, you know, um, uh, different painkillers they give you. Now, by the end of the that first week, I was off all painkillers. I wasn't even taking Tylenol anymore. So most of the pain I experienced was just from constipation, honestly, from just the, the surgery from being under anesthesia, it slows down your digestive system a little bit. And some of the, the painkillers they give you also slow you down a little bit, but I was off those by the fifth or sixth day. And then by, by the seventh or eighth day after surgery, I was mostly fine, just walking around to recover faster. Um, and now it's, I think, uh, seven weeks after surgery so far, and I feel completely normal. You know, 
I'm a tiny bit more tired than usual, but I'm still technically in the recovery phase. But a lot of people go back to work after two weeks. You know, I've, I've been taking a summer class this whole summer, so it's it really didn't affect me that much. So what I was really curious to know at this point is what is the policy on kidney donors being able to meet the recipients of their organs? And if he has the option, would Ben like to meet the recipient? Yeah, so through a non-directed donation, which is what I did, um, it depends on the transplant center you work through. So um, for me, I forgot to ask or um, I don't remember what their policy was, but it's something like three months or six months, maybe a year until they allow you to send a letter to the other person. And that letter is like sterilized of any personal information. So it's completely anonymous still at that point, but you can let the other person know how you're doing. And that's only if both parties consent to it. So I could send a letter after a certain amount of time and then they have the choice to read it if they want. And then after that, after you make that initial contact, then we both can decide to, you know, meet each other or have more personal contact, learn about each other's identities. But um, some people choose not to, some people do. I think for me, I would be fine meeting them. I would like to meet them. I think it would satisfy some curiosity, you know, just who has my kidney, you know, who, who's, who's it in. Um, but really, ultimately, ultimately, I would just like to know how they're doing. You know, did they, did they have this life improvement in their quality of life or, you know, something like that. So that's all I'd want to know, I think. Another factor that Ben took into consideration when making this decision was the amount of people on the waiting list, as well as the incredible success rates they are currently having with living donor transplants. The waitlist we hear about is really the deceased donor waitlist. So people who died in a certain way that allows their organs to still be collected and donated to someone else. Now, the waitlist can take about three to five years on average for a person to get a new kidney. And that's time spent on dialysis or another um, treatment. And that three to five years, though, is just the average. In some places, it's five to 10 years. You know, like in LA, you'll be expecting upwards of 10 years. Now, with a living kidney donor, you can bypass the entire wait list. The living, living donors um, donate to someone directly, and then uh, they get a kidney from that person instead of waiting on that list for however many years. And so um, living kidney transplants have a 98% survival rate, whereas deceased donor transplants have a 94% survival rate. And you think those are both high, but um, the life expectancy for that kidney itself for a live donor one will last about 15 to 20 years whereas a kidney from a deceased donor lasts um, 10 to 15 years. And there's also less complications with a live donor kidney. And so um, live, live donor kidneys are the, you know, the, the gold standard of kidney donation. And so that's what you want if you're, if you're uh, trying to receive one. So as I'm sitting here listening to Ben, sounding more like a wise, articulate 40 or 50-year-old man than a 21-year-old kid barely old enough to order a beer, I'm just in awe. And I'm thinking... What a hero this young man is. But when I mentioned the H word, Ben clearly became uncomfortable. Yeah, I, myself and a lot of other donors don't really like that term. Um, I think the sacrifice you make to donate a kidney is, is a sacrifice, but it's not something that is so big that it affects your life forever. Um, you know, like I said, I, I donated and then had a couple days of pain and a couple weeks of discomfort, and now I'm living a completely normal life afterwards. So, I want to stress that is not a big deal to donate a kidney. Anyone can do it. And I think calling people heroes when they do donate it 
is fine, but it also makes other people think that they're not capable of doing the same thing when you make such a big deal out of it. And so I just wanted to stress that it's not a big deal. Anyone's capable of doing it if you're a healthy individual. And at the very least, um, I would hope people are more open-minded about kidney donation. They don't need to donate it to a stranger. But when you hear about a relative or a friend or someone um, you know, who works in the same office as you, who needs a kidney, then um, I think more people should really consider it and get tested and read more about it. And for those of you listening who may be considering this or at least want to get involved and help out in some way, Ben had these closing thoughts. I think giving a a live kidney to someone else is a big decision. It's a personal choice, and not everyone has to make that choice. Uh, There's other ways to make differences out there. You can um, donate blood. You can advocate for other other, um, laws surrounding organ donation and making it easier for people. Or you can sign up to be an organ donor upon death. Um, There's there's ways to, if you sign up with your um, local... Uh, government agency, whatever, they'll, they have websites all around to help you sign up so that um, if you die in a certain way where you have brain death, but your body's still pumping blood, then they can um, actually take your organs and give life to someone else. I read somewhere that one, one deceased donor can give um, life or healing to 72 other people. You have a lot of organs you can donate that you didn't even know you could donate, like parts of your eye, you know, uh, liver, kidney, pancreas, heart, you know, a lot of other stuff. So there's more ways to make a difference out there than just donating your kidney while you're still alive. We've all heard the expression, he'd give the shirt off his back to help a stranger. I've heard that a lot throughout my life, and it's usually said about an old man after he dies. Now, that's a very admirable trait and an honorable thing to say about a man who's lived a good life. But giving a kidney? That's on a whole different level. And in this case, we wouldn't even say Ben's a guy who would give the shirt off his back would say he did give, and not the shirt off his back, but an organ removed from his body to help a fellow human. Now, I hear all the time about Gen Z being spoiled. They grew up with the internet. Most have no memory of life without smartphones. The older generation loves to say the young kids nowadays are lazy, entitled, or self-obsessed. Heck, the BBC ran an article just a few months ago titled, Are Younger Generations Truly Weaker Than the Older Ones? Just the title alone gives you an indication of the current dialogue. But if you're doubting in any way the future of our world someday being in the hands of the younger generation, or if you're looking for an example of a Gen Zer who by this selfless act alone deserves the respect of any man or woman of any generation, then look no further than Ben Norris. To learn more about kidney donation, please visit kidney.org. If this story made you feel good or inspired you, we ask that you share this episode with a friend, give us a five-star rating, and write a quick 30-second review on Apple Podcasts, as that helps us spread good vibes and get the word out to more good humans. For behind-the-scenes info, please visit our website at betterplaceproject.org and on Instagram at betterplaceproj. I will be back next Tuesday and every Tuesday with another full-format interview episode, and we'll see you here next Friday with a brand-new edition of Feel Good Friday. Until then, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Feel Good Friday. Make the world.